Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist and now a health coach based in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. I started this podcast in 2020 to help you live a better life, and we're doing it today. For this episode, I'm getting you organized in the new year with the minimalist mom, Diane Bowden. She's an author, a terrific podcaster, and now she's my guest. You'll get to meet her right after this. Guess what I'm doing, people, in January for 2023? I'm finally taking the Dutch test that I've talked about for so long, the dried urine test for comprehensive hormones, and I'm doing it through compounding at cornerstone.com. It's a pharmacy in central Arkansas, but any of my listeners can score 20% off the test. Guys, that's big savings. That's why I've put it off. It was you know, typically a, lo- a lot more than it is, but I'm saving 20% because I went to court compounding at cornerstone.com and I request a test and consultation under our services. So you click our services, hormone therapy. I'm there right now looking at it and I'm getting the Dutch test. So with the Dutch test, I'm uh, going to send that in like in a day or two and then I'll meet with Allison and then my provider here in Arkansas can, you know, maybe tweak my hormones or wherever you are, you can take that intel to your provider. And if you don't have one and you're in Arkansas, they can help you if you're outside of the state because of state laws, they can't do that. But you could at least have the information. We always say in functional medicine, test, don't guess. Compounding at cornerstone.com. They're the people you turn to. You also get 20% off on any purchase that you find online. The magical word to put in your coupon code is Lisa, L-I-S-A. Compounding at cornerstone.com. I am so excited. This is the month that one of my friends, she's my hairstylist, who is using Akel's Carpet One for new flooring. It's the thing that sometimes parents have to, you know, kind of pull the trigger because you've got humans at home and you might, well, in her case, have cats that pee on the carpet. So she's ripping it up and she will have the new luxury vinyl plank in her home installed by Akel's Carpet One. I know this, Akel's Carpet One right here, floor and home in central Arkansas will beat the big box store prices. To me, I kind of buried the lead in that. I should have told you that first, but that's something you need to know. They will beat the big box store prices. They are outstanding with the customer service. She couldn't believe it, uh, Leah, the hairdresser. She couldn't believe it that they remove all the furniture and um, remove the old carpet and then lay down the new flooring because she has carpet now, lay down the new flooring and it's all going to be done. I think she said in a day. It sounds crazy, but that's how efficient they are at Akel's Carpet One. They know that time is something that's very valuable to you and money. So they know that the price needs to come down and you'll get the best deal and the best service. And you know, when Akel is involved, check out their new and redesigned and fancy store in Maumel, AkelsCarpet1.com. Ask about 0% financing for 18 months. She won most talkative in high school and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. Let me introduce you then that way. You said you're the mom who didn't know what she was doing, who started a podcast and people have gone crazy for it because minimalism is something we all can incorporate in our life. I've interviewed Joshua Becker before. 
and he's kind of if he's maybe the father of minimalism maybe you're the mother but you're not related but you're not married okay just so everybody understands that i'm just using the term loosely so tell Mm -hmm. me diane how many tell me about your life that made you think i have to adopt more of a minimalist lifestyle Yes. So there was actually a light bulb moment, as I like to say, when my husband and I were newly married. We were in our early 20s and we were searching for something in my parents' basement. I don't remember what it was it, long ago. However, we were down there and he looked at me and to paraphrase him, he said, look at all of these things that are now in boxes that were once your dad's hard earned working hours. And for some reason, up until that point, I mean, I was still very young, but I felt like I was just so wasteful with my money and I had to have everything brand new and I never liked to be seen in the same outfit more than once, or I'm sorry, yeah, more than once by anyone that I would come into contact with. I was just, I wasn't thoughtful. I wasn't intentional. And so when he brought that concept to my, maybe my prefrontal cortex, cortex, the front of my mind, I was just like, oh my gosh, I have not been living the way that I probably should be. And I'm taking this money for granted in my hours. My hours time is the most precious resource that we have. And so um, it was really that moment that got the ball rolling into our marriage. And I don't even think we necessarily had a conversation at that point in time. It was just something that I started being more intentional with the way that I wanted to live. He was as well. And then we just kind of carried this in into our whole relationship of just prioritizing experiences over things and if we were going to buy things to make sure that they were quality over quantity. So maybe you weren't going to have as many things in boxes because there wasn't an abundance of things we were spending our money on. The things that we uh, buy were more intentional and maybe cost a little bit more. So yeah, I would just say that our entire relationship, we have had this theme of minimalism or intentional living woven through in it, throughout it. And then having kids, I mean, that was just something that we tried to carry on through. And the podcast was kind of born out of that because I met another mom and she was also interested in starting a podcast. And we were like, how can we have these conversations with one another? And that's where it all started. Uh, That was a very idealistic goal to have as newlyweds, because as we know, for every introvert, God has you marry an extrovert. For every pack rat, you marry somebody who's a minimalist. For every early bird, you marry a night owl. So you both were on the same page. How many years ago was that? Uh, 11. 11 years ago. 11 years ago. And how many kids ago was that? I mean, how many children have you had? Three kids. Yep, we have three kids. Three kids. Mm -hmm. So you've been able to continue to practice what you preach even with new baby and new baby things and Christmas items and ornaments. Wow. So what was the first thing as you, as newlywed Diane did with her husband, what were the first things you implemented in that stage of life? So I would say a lot of our minimalism or our more of our intentional lifestyle just happened through, it was circumstantial, I would say, because my husband was wrapping up his first year of teaching. I was still in college. And so we were very frugal individuals that I had to prioritize what we wanted on our budget. And so if you don't have a lot of money coming in, you have to be even more intentional because you can't be as frivolous. I guess you can, and then you're not going to like where you're, where you end up. So I would say that it started through circumstance that we even more so started pursuing that. And like you said, yes, with babies, yes, with the Christmas tree thing, we have, 
we have issues in other areas. <laughs> and But I would say that minimalism and living intentionally it hasn't been hard because I think once you get really clear with your goals and what your values are and what you want from your life, I don't know. We've always, we're very yin and yang, but we've always aligned in that way. And so, I mean, thank God, like I really appreciate it because it is hard when your spouse isn't on board with your pursuits. I think in that case, you just continue to live by example and their things, even though they may overflow into your things, it's like, at least at my space is clean. At least my desk is clear. At least my closet is, is decluttered. And so, yeah, Praise be, we are on the same page with that. But I would say that it really was just circumstantial that we were intentionally on the same page there in the beginning. Okay, so we're recording this in November, so the holiday season. Do you dread the holidays because of the gifting issue or how how do you keep it under control? It's funny you ask that because... For some reason, this year in particular, my I have an eight-year-old, a five-year-old, and a three-year-old, and I am so overwhelmed with what to get them. We usually just do like the need, want, wear, read. Um, we might kind of mix that up a little bit, but I'm just like, you guys have everything you need, and people just overwhelm you with gifts on your birthdays despite me asking them not to, and so um, I think that once you have a relationship with people, you can kind of have those conversations. There's always going to be someone that their love language is gift or they show their love through gifting. So I just graciously thank, and then we do what we will with the gift. Um, but yeah, for some reason this year, personally, I'm finding it really tricky to get them toys because I'm like, what more do you need? So I've had to be a little bit more thoughtful about what I want to actually get them for Christmas. But in regards to other people, like I said, I think that if you are very clear with what you I think if you're very clear with what your family dynamic is, that if you're in relationship with someone, so your parents, your grandparents, aunt and uncles, they've seen us living this way or they know that that's important to us. And so a lot of people will respect us and they'll say, what is the list like for you? What do you what send us an Amazon list? What do your kids really need? Could I take your kids to the movies and lunch or whatnot? So I think having those conversations before it gets to the end of November is really helpful in just setting the theme for the year, the same with birthdays, and just being very clear in your expectations. And I feel like as adults, especially, this is just outside of minimalism in general, but we should be able to clearly communicate what we need with one another. And I am very, I feel very certain about that. And it can be hard and it can be tricky, but I think that we muddy it up because we're not clear. And then we have to like, it just can spiral out of control if we're just not clear and upfront from the get-go. And there's a gracious way to be that or to do that. But yeah, I feel like it's been helpful to just be honest. I, I know my daughter, um, she has a five and three-year-old and she's been a minimalist. I mean, just from the day she was born, just easy like that, understood, you know, excess overwhelms me and it gets on my nerves. So for her <laughs> children, she will say to me, if I'm getting them anything, it stays at my house if it's a toy. Yeah. Because we live so close to each other, we're, you know, 10 minutes away. So, and those then end up being special. They call me Gabby because I talk a lot. <laughs> so those are special Gabby toys and Gabby books. And so when, she, you know, we're conjoling them to come over and they're here. I mean, one of them's here right now. I keep them often. But that way you go play. It's like having new toys. And I, I know that's not anything new under the sun, but 
it's a way for her to manage because she doesn't want a bunch of, you know, 15 new Barbies and all the yeah. pieces of the shoes that go with this. And, you know, she, she had Polly Pockets when she was little. So it was, I understand. Mm -hmm. So that was a way she does communicate that. I do know at birthday time when her daughter wants to invite friends, you know, and it's not a big party, but that's when sometimes they want to give a special gift for somebody. So I know that they run into that challenge there. And I know another thing for our family, I know for my own daughter, she doesn't want anything to unwrap under the tree, but she sure likes getting gift cards to mm. Molly made housekeeping or to the man who can clean her car or, mm -hmm. you know, services. Services are real important to people who want less. Have you noticed that? Oh, absolutely. It's funny though. I'm quite the opposite. I feel like Christmas is my one time of year that I'm like, I, I want the frivolous yeah. gifts. I want the things that I wouldn't necessarily okay. buy myself. So I feel like yeah. what we spend our money on are those things that you're mentioning. And then it's kind of nice to get a few things I wouldn't necessarily buy for myself, but that feel like a treat from my mom and dad. That, that feels good to me as someone that does That's pursue sweet. minimalism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they want to do that for you. Your parents do want to do that for you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I do, uh, what you were talking about, the gifts staying at your home, I think that's an excellent idea. And we've started doing that as well with some, like, with a few family members. Again, I think that you can be as clear as you want. And sometimes people are just not going to, uh, right. yeah, they're not going to follow through. But that's okay because that's yeah. the way, again, they show their love. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, well, let's talk about the first thing someone's listening right now, and I'm not sure when we'll air this. It may be after the first of the year, which may be a perfect time to do it um, yeah. because that's, you know, our New Year's resolution. So what's the first thing you tell moms who come to you and go, Diane, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. Where do we start? Well, I would say don't start with the sentimental items first. <laughs> that usually just it becomes a nightmare and then it becomes too overwhelming. And it's like, let's build momentum. So let's start small. Let's start in the bathroom. The bathroom typically is the smallest space in our house and it doesn't have a ton of sentimental possessions in there. Yeah. And so I say, pull everything out. I used to clean houses in college and I would see people's bathrooms and I'm like, why do you have all this stuff on your, that I'm having to move to clean up your, mm -hmm. not, I almost said the mantle, mm -hmm. but the sink area. So Counter. pull all yeah, that the stuff out. Area, yeah. yeah. Pull all that stuff out, pull things off the walls, get it very simple because you usually start your day there, you end your day there. And it's, you don't want the visual clutter to begin and end your days. At least I don't. And so once you can see how you can live with less and then you continue to go throughout your house. Again, I would save baby clothes, the toys, things that maybe you've lost a parent or a loved one. Don't go through those things at the very beginning. Build that momentum. And then also I would say you don't have to do it in a weekend commit to just, I'm going to do this for a little bit of time, maybe get that momentum with the bathroom and then commit 15 minutes a day. That's honestly, that's how I've been doing it because we've been so busy. I've just been still kind of, I'm like, okay, it's time to go back through my kid's clothing. It's time to go back through this hutch. It's time to go back through the pantry and you're just 15 minutes and you can knock a lot out. Yeah. Timer does wonders to, it motivates you and it helps you set your own boundaries thinking, okay, I'm yes. not going to dilly dally here and miss preparing dinner because I was so busy counting, you know, Barbie hairbrushes and yeah. you can move on to other things. Uh, so I think bathrooms are a great place to do it. Um, I tell you another thing to do is move. 
I moved a year ago, was in the same home for 24 years, raised my kids there, homeschooled my kids there. So mm-hmm. homeschool, you get a lot of crap through the years of just education materials, pushed all that out. And so we had a scale down, scale down, scale down, scale down. And then you still bring too much when you move. And then we threw, you know, so we had trash cans that we threw all that yeah. out. So that helped a lot, um, which is great for people in midlife to look forward to is you do might move to your forever home after you've raised your kids mm-hmm. and getting rid of it. So bathroom, we all have way too many samples of Estee Lauder or <laughs> the La Mer cream thing that they give you when you're at the bougie department store. We all have too sure. much of it. Just throw it out. Nobody cares. And it, it's probably not good for you. But um, bedrooms are another thing. Where do you start with the bedroom? Uh, see, that's where, this is where I'm just an unusual person. If you went upstairs into our bedroom, you would think that no one really inhabits that space because we have a bed. I do have a desk that's completely empty with a chair that I've never used that I probably should get rid of, but I, I just have a bed up in our bedroom space. I don't even have the walls decorated (laughs) because we don't spend a lot of time up there and I don't have anything that I love. I, I don't... I don't know how I want to decorate the space, so I'm not going to buy just to buy. I want to love something. Actually, I did just buy a mirror at World Market, and I haven't picked it up yet. But (laughs) all that to say, with the bedroom, gosh, I would just evaluate each each area of the of the room and when you are decluttering with anything with any space you pull everything out you need to assess what you have take inventory and I have never truly I have never gotten rid of something that I regret because you usually can replace it via a Facebook marketplace or somehow for 20 bucks or less if you really Mm -hmm. really need it so I think don't be afraid to when you start to come across some of those sentimental things sentimentality is an emotion. And when people are purging items, it's not that you're purging that memory. That is a representation of the memory, but you get to keep that memory. So again, if you need to photograph it to remember, you're not getting rid of that. You're not getting rid of the person that gave you that. It's the the item that is taking up the space, the weight that is uh, actually more overwhelming than actually getting rid of the thing. Here's some place that I really struggle. This is my drawer beside in my uh, dressing area. Okay. All the implements. It takes a lot to get this hair to look good. So I've got, <laughs> got this. I've got this one. I've got the real hair dryer, and I'm I'm showing different hair dryers. I've got the big round brush, the smaller round brush, and I I try to go through there and pare down, but I always think, no, I might. I really might use that. You know, yeah. at a certain amount of time. So have you noticed that sometimes hair things are another thing that in the dressing area that just accumulates years worth of hot rollers and curling irons. Well, that's another thing. It's kind of like keeping clothes that are too big or too small. Why are we keeping these things we're not using? And so I would rather have the things that I use that are easily accessible for me so I can be more productive to get ready. If you're using all those brushes and like multiple times a week and or even once a week, I have a thicker curling iron and I have a smaller curling iron. I don't use the thicker one as much, but I keep it because sometimes I like my hair to look that way. To me, that's not a problem because I'm actually using this. But for those sizes that are smaller, 
smaller that I no longer fit in. I just had to get rid of that because why do I want a reminder that I used to be smaller? I am 30 in my <laughs> mid thirties. Like I yeah. am a mom of three. I have a different lifestyle. Yeah. I can't work out all the time anymore. And you know what? A size is just a ridiculous measure of our, of our value. So get rid of the things that we don't use. And again, if you need to replace those things, ask for it for your birthday, ask for it for Christmas, replace on Facebook marketplace. I am very much into secondhand shopping and, or just seeing, I don't need that anyways. I thought that I did, but I'm not using that. So I don't know. Well, uh, clothing is another area. When I moved into this home again, I'd been in the other home for 24 years. You know, I've lived this life of because a long time MC of events. And so I always yeah. had clothes for that. And I just gave a lot of it away. You know, if I, I'm, you know, it was kind of during COVID too. And we really weren't going anywhere to these things sure. as I was paring down, we moved in 2021. But I remember when my cousin came to my house, she goes, where are all your clothes? Cause I used to have so much more. And I go, got rid of them all. She goes, the long dress from 2010, you know, the sewing. I go, got rid of you. Check, check, check. And I've never once looked and thought, wow, where is that long dress from 2010? I don't need it. Someone else can use it. And really it's out of style. So how do you, mm-hmm. and, and I've heard, I don't know if Joshua Becker said this, I think it was, and I'm, I'm sure you know this, but for every time you buy an item, you know, maybe there's something you give away. So you keep the same amount of hangers. Yes. Don't get more hangers. Keep the same amount of hangers and get rid of one thing to bring in another. Yeah. And that's the same thing that I'll do if I'm going to get something new. I will, honestly, I'll sell a few things on Facebook Marketplace to even pay for like maybe half of my new item. But I, I mentioned being uh, the quality over qual- quality over quantity. That is an important value that we try to live by. I don't live by that as much with clothes. I love my clothes. But a lot of the abundance of clothes that I do keep are classic pieces that are not uh what trendy and I think the trends are coming and going so often I know that Target what we used to have like two seasons and now I think they have like over 20 like floor plans that they do each year and so if we're constantly having to match that ever ever uh, changing trend how are we going to buy all those clothes how we again it just marketers know what they're doing that was what my degree was in prior to teaching Mm -hmm. anyways yeah they know what they're doing. That is their job to sell you. That is your their job to make you feel like you need it, that you're not enough without it, that you won't be able to be like your neighbor without it. And so when we can be rational and be like, wait, I look good in all of these classic pieces that I can wear year after year. Again, if you're staying in the same, pretty much the same uh, sizes. So I think that, I don't know. I just think you have to get really honest with yourself about, uh, again, your values, where your value comes from, what your value is to the others around you. And that my friends don't like me because of what clothes I'm wearing. They like me <gasps> for me. And so that yeah. is something right. that helps me well, detach so. a little bit. Yeah, right. that's what helps me detach yeah. a little bit from uh, feeling like I need all the new clothes and that I constantly have to keep up, you know. Well, social media has made that hard because we all feel like we mm-hmm. are repeat fashion offenders because we'll wear something and they'll say and then you don't wear it again for six months but it was your profile pic so you feel like every time someone sees you you're in that outfit and you're like no i only wore it for my profile pic i want to wear it again so that's we call that uh, facebook uh, outfit repeaters you know my friend will say i'm an outfit repeater i'm a social media outfit repeater and because you know here's what happens and this is psychology of just humans right So you see Kim Kardashian on one of her episodes has a warehouse of clothing, a warehouse, Diane, of clothing. 
year by year, size by size, and it's tucked away like it's hermetically sealed, you know. See, I don't look at that in covenant. Maybe it's because I'm 100 years old and I think I don't want to take care of it. I, I don't mm-hmm. want to maintain it, manage it. But it makes, I think, others go, oh, I want to be Kim Kardashian and have... To say she had thousands of pieces is an understatement. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it is uh, it is absolutely mind-boggling. And I think, like, one of the sisters has 20 Range Rovers and 12 Bentleys. I, I, I'm just, that's where I'm too practical. I'm like, why? I got one car. It works really well when I drive it. <laughs> so... It's it, it's also, I think, part of our wiring. And I don't think, mm-hmm. I think your wiring is for less. My wiring is for less. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm trying to, how do I say this as kindly as possible? You can look at that warehouse say of it, things, um, but you can also look at their lives and the failed marriages and the... Yeah, all right, this, right. all the stuff that yeah. they've gotten themselves into, and it's like, obviously that didn't bring you happiness. That didn't get you to where you wanted Good to point. be, you know. And so, yes, that's kind of nice. I, I love clothing. I'm like, I wish I had free access to Madewell at, at the mall. At the mall, yeah. um, right? But does that really? Long term, I don't know. What? Where is the value in that? And also, I don't want to create a museum in my home. I want to live in my home. I want to live in my clothes. And I don't know why we're doing this. It's just for for what? For whose opinion? For I some fleeting thought that some stranger has? Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's that's how I feel. It's um. It just doesn't interest me. I'm not. I'm not criticizing them. I just don't want that life. Like, if I won the lottery tomorrow, I can tell you, I wouldn't have warehouses worth of clothing. Just, I don't want, and maybe that's it. I don't want anything else I have to wipe its nose, butt, or take care of. And clothing (laughs) falls under that. Like, that's why a lot of people, and when when their grandparents, they start, and, and this is great that people do it. I'm just not one of them. We had dogs growing up with our kids, but now that our kids are gone... People are like, are y'all going to get a puppy? And I go, oh, I don't want anyone else's poop to clean up. I I did that. (laughs) I did that with the dogs I had and with the humans I had. And now I want to go on a vacation and not have to wonder, what am I going to do with the dog? Mm -hmm. Though people listening right now are about to wreck their cars because they can't believe that is my philosophy on a dog. But it's, I don't want to take care of anything else. Yeah, it's a responsibility. And it's, I, I feel the same way. I have young children and it is hard. We... Like getting a dog is another mouth to feed, another responsibility, another, yeah, it's just something to take care of. And it's expensive. And that's, I guess that's the other thing too. I don't want anything else that's going to cost me money. That's why at 60, I'm not having any more children. That's the reason. (laughs) Oh, I also don't have any eggs left, but you, you get the point. You know, one thing I've learned from the Bubba's family, the people behind David's Burgers and Jess's Chicken, is that they are always thinking of you, the parent, wondering how you can feed your kids in a healthy manner, and they are always considering people with special food and dietary needs. So that means at Jess's Chicken, Southern Kitchen, you can have things that are dairy-free. You can have options that are gluten-free. That's, you won't have the bread with it, right? Or even egg-free. And they even fry their fries separately 
from the other thing. So there's no cross-contamination. But the other thing about Jess's chicken, remember they're closed on Sundays so they can worship with their families. And that is they have a catering menu now that is so delicious. You can order online. You can go by and pick up. They can deliver within a 15-mile radius of the restaurant. They do need a 36-hour notice to guarantee the fulfillment of an order. But guys, if you're looking to feed more than a few people, you can do it for eight bucks a person. I recommend bumping up just a little bit to get the mac and cheese because the mac and cheese is so good. You've got the sauces, you've got the drinks, you can have the cookies, all for you. At Arkansas's number one chicken restaurant, it's Jess's Chicken. Hey friends, just a quick little interruption as you're learning on the Lisa Fisher Said podcast, and that is you can learn more. You can learn more about intermittent fasting if you go to my website, lisafishersaid.com slash academy. I just dropped an online course to take you through kind of A to Z of intermittent fasting. Even if you've done it in the past or you're not really, don't feel like you have your PhD in it, this is a great way to access the knowledge that I've learned because everything I present to you is scientific. That's right. You can start learning about fasting and in 28 days, you can master the course and be on your way to a life free of many of the conditions that we talk about when you're metabolically unfit. Link is in the show notes, but it's lisafishersaid.com slash academy. Sure. Um, okay. Sure. Well, we're talking about kids. Um, because mine were homeschooled, I didn't have to walk this path, but I know my friends would say their kids come home every week, I guess, with the binder or folder of the 12 pieces of paper they drew of mommy and then mm-hmm. the 19 spelling tests they had. Uh-huh. What do you do with all that? So I do homeschool our first grade, or I'm sorry, she's in second grade now. Do I do homeschool her. Okay. Um, my son goes to kindergarten. He brings home his folder every single day. If there's a really special piece, and at this point I'm kind of dictating what the special pieces are. If he was older, I'd probably allow exactly. him to put But right. I keep the really special special pieces. Each of my kids have a, uh, how big would I say? Maybe a two foot by one foot box in their rooms like Charlotte's is up in her closet and the boys are in the basement and that is where all their special treasures are and we Charlotte and I will go through hers every so often do you still want this do you want to keep this or no I want to move stuff something in here but the baby clothes that are very precious to me and or those artwork those pieces of artwork those go in there but I think that Sometimes it's like a band-aid. You have to just rip it off and take those spelling tests yeah. and throw them away. Throw them in the recycling bin. And it's like, I'm not looking back. I'm not going to focus on that because, again, it's kind of like it, with the trends. If I have to keep all of this, there's not going to be any space left in this home. So rationally, I know I can't keep it all. So therefore, it's easier to just get rid of it and address it right then and there. And I also like living by the if you can't do it in one if you can do it in one minute or less you just do it right then and there so the clutter doesn't build in your home and that's something like that when I get Martin's folder go through it right away and then I don't have to worry about it at the end of the week taking more time feeling more sentimental it just is address it right then and there and then move on well the good thing that you uh, young whippersnappers have that we old people didn't is digital archiving so yeah. if you wanted to, Diane, you could snap a photo of it and maybe keep a folder on your phone of, yes. you know, the handprint turkey he does for the next 20 years. 
Sure. No, and I do that. And I have um, on my phone folder and even on my computer folder, I have Charlotte the Artist. And so it is some of those special <laughs> pieces that are too bo- too big to fit in that box. I have a folder in here. And then I was much better about this prior to the podcast <laughs> kind of taking off. But I used to do Shutterfly books every single year, scrapbooks okay. for us, digital scrapbooks. Those are fabulous. And that's a great gift to give a grandparent. Oh, I think so as well. I do that with a calendar for my parents. Oh my gosh, I have forgotten yeah, I do a to calendar. start working on that. Yeah, I do a calendar with all the photos of the grandkids for the years or for the year. Yeah, but. I do that because you know what? Grandparents, and this is my children, my grandchildren's great grandparents, they don't yeah. want a bunch of stuff either because they have a house full, you know, they're in their 80s yeah. and they have a house full of stuff. Uh, yeah. Those calendars are great, um, but I've seen people then compile their year's favorite photos. And kind of keep like an encyclopedia set, you know? Yeah. And it's just, it's archived. Yes. And that's what we had up until a couple of years ago when I fell off the bandwagon, not the bandwagon. I just got behind, but that in the section of Charlotte, the artist, it was at the end of the book and it was all of her artwork that was very special to her. And I had like a little caption. And so therefore you're just condensing it and not having to keep all of that stuff. So that is a great tip. See, that's your marketing brain in gear right now, because that is presenting it to a way that we want to buy whatever you're selling. So I think that's great. Okay, let's talk about um, exercise clothing. I always want, I don't, I just have a few pieces. I wash them, put them away. So at the gym, I'm in the same, I mean, we're in the same black clothes anywhere, anywhere I go anyway. So what do you do about workout clothes? So again, I do love clothes and I have a lot of the same ones that I've had for the last several years. So I think depending on how often you're going to work out, assess how many times do I, or how many pieces do I actually need? Cause I also don't want to be doing laundry every moment right. of my life. So I think assess that, but also it's very curious to me that someone like Steve Jobs would wear the same exact outfit to work every day, has the most money in brilliant. the world. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, Wow. He knew what his goals were. He knew what he wanted. He didn't give any, he didn't care. He just didn't care. And so it's like, why are we prioritizing these things of having to look great at the gym and a new outfit and always trendy? Um, I don't know. I just, the older I get, the more I'm just like, stay in your lane, stay in your lane. It doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. Your friends matter. And your friends don't value your workout clothes. So I think that's where I've come with minimalism. It's been a lot more like, is the word introspective, just really evaluating my motive and my drive of why I do the things. And then it's a lot easier to say no. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about cooking then and cooking essentials, cooking accoutrement, you know, the small pots and pans that we never use, but we use once a year. How do you Mm -hmm. handle that? So with some of that stuff, I just will borrow it from my parents. So again, it's like, am I benefiting from minimalism because I'm with around these maximalists? But we're not huge into cooking, but we do have a crock pot. We do have a Vitamix. We do have, oh my gosh, an air fryer. We just got an air fryer at the beginning of the year and it's been life changing. We use all those things. So again, I'm not opposed to having these things. I know Marie Kondo lives by, what is it that you spark? It sparks joy. If it sparks joy, keep it. If not, get rid of it. But like my... Actually, my air fryer does spark joy in me, but my hammer doesn't. And I have to have a hammer because sometimes I might need to use the hammer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That is a great way to illustrate that. Um, Because I am a cook, a longtime cook. I've taught cooking classes like, you know, I really love it. But I don't have all the cooking toys. People are surprised that I don't have the Instant Pot. 
Uh-huh. I had it and got rid of it because it took up too much space. I don't yeah. have a crock pot because you know what? I have an oven that I can mm-hmm. pot it down, but I'm a real cook. So I know what I'm looking yeah. for. If you're not a real cook, sure. crock pot is a way to go or instant pot because it cuts some corners. But yeah. um, I even have a convection oven. And if mm. you elevate something at a convection oven, it's like an air fryer because it's a fan that circulates. So, mm-hmm. but this is, I, I say all this because I almost have to defend myself when people say, so do you use the crock pot? Do you use the instant pot? Do you use the air fryer? I go, don't have any of them. And we mm-hmm. are still healthy and upright and members of society. I was just going to say the thing about that is it's, it's seasonal as well. So right now the crock pot is helpful to us because we have all these kids we're juggling and they're little and it saves us time. Whereas I hope to one day have some more time that I can get in the kitchen. I really, really want that at some point, but seasonally it's not going to work right now for our schedule. And it's kind of the same thing with kids bringing in some of these horrendous toys that they have on the market these days. I try very hard to sway my children away from those things, but also they have spaces in their rooms. It's like you can fill this much with what you want. So, for example, my daughter's just had a birthday. We'll get back to the cookware, by the way. My daughter just had a birthday. My aunts took her to Target, let her pick out a few things, and it's like you can get the neon-colored stuffy. You can get whatever you need to get, but you only have this amount of space to fill it up. So we're going to have to get rid of something else. But also, one day in my life, I know that I'm going to miss that neon stuffy and that I'm going to have this empty neutral house that my husband and I like, and I'm going to be kind of sad that that's not there. Great, grateful no. it's not there, but also sad. No, you're like, no, <laughs> no, I think I'm living it. I think you're going to be fine. Yeah. But there is like, maybe yeah, that is I'm like, sure. you know what I'm saying? You feel it. You yes, feel it. I like it, it's yeah. nice to live in your neutral. Cause I mean, most of my house yeah. is not a kid's space. The kid's stuff is in their right. rooms. But yeah, I'm just like, you know, if this makes them happy in this season, I'm okay with that. We just don't need an abundance. One in, one out rule. So it's the same with cookware. If it's a season for it, have it. I know a lot of moms swear by the Instant Pot. I don't need that because I have things that do that kind of thing for me. So yeah. yeah. What are your needs? Yes, I understand. In cookware, though, there's another whole gosh, chapter of cookware that people use that take a lot of space, and I don't have an interest in that's bakeware. Bakeware. Because I'm an I'm an entree cook, whereas I'm cooking the main dish. I'm not a... <laughs> you don't want me bringing the dessert because I'm so busy talking, I can't remember if I already did a cup of sugar or if I've done two cups of sugar. You know, that's yeah. for somebody who's very studious and measures things and all that. But that is a whole nother pile of stuff. Bunt pans are this big, baking pans are this big, cookie sheets or baking sheets are this big, you know, and they're bulky. And then if you have, because one time I did go through a phase where I was going to start piping desserts because I did bake more when my kids were younger. But then you have to have all the pipeware and the bags and the tips that I just, I gave it away and said, y'all can have it. Yeah. No, I think with any of these categories that you're giving me, it's you need to pull again everything out that's in your kitchen. When you go through to your kitchen, yep. we have a few different spaces and I'm pulling everything out of there and saying, again, what is my inventory? What do I actually use? And being realistic, don't lie to yourself. Because if you've had a pretty consistent pattern as an adult who bakes, then maybe don't get rid of that baking stuff that you're using. Yes. But keeping it for the what ifs of the future you, I would become that future you before you start going down that path, you know? 
I'm writing that down. What if of the future you? I love that because that is how people defend what they've accumulated. Or I'll yeah. hear them say, well, because I might need this blue and white gingham skirt for something because yes. I might be invited to a Daisy May contest in the next <laughs> 70 years. And they keep it. I'm like, you're not. And Daisy May's been gone a long time. So it is looking at the here and now and look and deciding, is it worth it? And again, this is what I say, put your house on the market, sell. And then you do, when you start boxing it up, then you almost have resentment that you kept yeah. the blue and white gingham skirt because you thought you're going to meet Daisy May someday. You're not. No, a hundred percent. Yes. I, I think that again, all of that comes back to just knowing ourselves and what we want moving forward. And I just don't want to live thinking, oh, I'm going to get back into this like really unmanageable size of pants that I once was desperate to yes. fit into. It's like, right. maybe one day I will, but that's not who I am right now. And my patterns of behavior don't show me that that's going to happen anytime soon. And so why am I keeping this? I have to look at it. I have to maintain it. It's a weight that is maybe even subconscious. Right. I don't want to, yes. I don't want to deal with that. I want to take care of what I like and what works for us. And um, unless it's a haute couture Oscar de la Renta that was made specifically for you, it's going to be out of style and you're not going to want it when you yeah. get back to your size two skinny jeans or what. I mean, I yeah. know, I, we, we all yeah. know that. We, sure. we hold on to these things and then when we do pull them out, they really don't look good. And because here's the other thing you people don't understand that you men listening or you young girls. You have babies, and yes, you might be 135 pounds again and a size four, but yeah. it doesn't, <laughs> the parts have moved, and sure. your rib cage is bigger, your hips are yeah. wider, and you know what, yeah. it, it's, and it's great, I, am I glad I did it every day, every mm -hmm. day was worth every minute of the five pounds that I've fussed about having on too much weight in my 30s mm -hmm. or 40s, it's absolutely worth it, but I'm just saying, move on <laughs> nothing yeah. to see here folks move on yeah there's no going back okay there's tell only me forward. yeah that's right now tell me about your podcast what is it um tell me what you all talk about because i've just followed your social media and i love it and yeah. then when i saw the name of your podcast minimalist mom i was like i'm on board so but tell me what you kind of break down Yes. So the podcast started in 2016. I I started with another girl from, I don't know if you've heard of Mops. It's a mom's group, but she was at yeah, Mops and I saw she wanted to start a podcast and I wanted to start a podcast. Wait, for people listening, mother of preschoolers, right? I think so. Yeah. Mops. Preschool. Yes. Something. Yeah. Pre yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. So this is when I had my first child and I saw she wanted to start a podcast. I did too. We're like, what can we talk about? Let's meet for drinks. What can we brainstorm? And she was living in like 3,500 square feet at the time. I was living in 800, but we still had this pursuit of minimalism. <laughs> and we were That's like, this awesome. is crazy. We, I bet we can have some really dynamic conversations. And so then she stepped away, I want to say in 2018 to take another job. And I had another baby and I just kind of started putting more effort into it. I was like, I wonder what this could be. And so I made it more interview based, reached out to some bigger names and they said yes. And I couldn't believe it because I was like, I'm a no one and you're saying yes. And so from there, it just minimalism was trendy. And I think 
Yes, I've been absolutely consistent. I have released an episode every week, if not some weeks too, for the past four or five years. But I've also, I would say it's a little bit of luck as well. And I mean, this is a one woman show. I don't have anyone working for me. It's been, um, it's, it's starting to get a little bit unmanageable with my minimalist lifestyle. I'm not always practicing what I preach in regards to my mental clutter that I have, but Yeah, I mean, I just, as long as people are willing to bring on how they live intentionally to my show and to encourage others, I'm going to keep doing it. Well, one thing I noticed about Joshua Becker, I asked him, and I kind of knew the, you know, we ask questions where you kind of know the answer to, and I feel the same way about you. But I asked him, I said, are you a person of faith? And he came from, I think he was a pastor of a church. I'm pretty sure he was, yeah. Yeah. and same thing with you. I just assume by your nomenclature, what you're saying, that you are a person of faith. And so these are biblical principles. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I try to, uh, I, I definitely have episodes that are, gosh, how do I phrase it? I am a Christian myself, but I don't ever want someone to think that I'm preaching to them and to discredit me and think that it only is for Christians because I think this lifestyle will help anyone of any faith. However, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. When we really get real, (laughs) when we get real about, we can't take our treasures with us. I mean, scripture says that like our treasures are are built in heaven. They're not built here where moth and dust will eat away. And so I think that when we are very clear about our possessions are meaningless in the grand scale of, of scheme of things. It's it's easier to kind of detach from them. But also, uh, I keep talking about your value and where does your value lie. And I think that when we are pleasing man, uh, like the Kardashians, again, I don't. I I yeah. think that they say they're people of faith, but I would say that it's easy to get wrapped up in pleasing. Um, one another and it just is it's not very fruitful like we just find ourselves disappointed at the end of the day alone with these mausoleums of stuff these museums of stuff I think mausoleum right museum no, yeah right no I, I totally yeah. see that and um, I mean it's the whole audience of one if you look at yeah. your relationship with the Lord as an audience of one because we will I mean, the Bible says, are we pleasing man or are we pleasing God? If I'm still pleasing man, I'm not a bod servant of Christ, is what it says in Galatians. So that's kind of the philosophy of detaching yourself from the social media part or the the accolades and the cheers of people is, you know what, I'm doing this. This isn't popular, but we're homeschooling or we're driving one car or whatever you choose to do to Mm -hmm. exhibit a minimalist lifestyle is mm-hmm. totally up to you, which I, that's what I love. And it also comes down to being good stewards financially yeah. Um, because you're not buying, you know, 15 washers to have at home like you're on an episode of Porters that <laughs> you have the one washer and dryer or whatever it is. And again, yeah. I, I'm not judging anybody. I don't care what anybody does. I'm just saying I know that when the clutter, when you cut away the clutter, there's a lot of the anvil that's over your head of your life and worrying about things, it lifts. When you have Mm -hmm. left stuff, less stuff, those things lift. Yes. No, that's so true. I mean, yeah, I, I just, you have to be realistic with yourself and know yourself. I think that's a huge way to move forward in minimalism. And like you said, it's going to look different for every single person. 
I'm not a baker, right. so I'm not going to own a lot of bakeware. Um, I do love clothes, right. so I try to buy quality over quantity and do the one in, yeah. one out. And I make mistakes. And as I said, I'm not fully living out my minimalist mentality with my mindset and my schedule right now. I hope to get more to a place of balance here in the new year. But also, even outside of Christianity, um, I'm not a Buddhist, but I've read a lot of um, Buddhist um, or even a Stoic philosophy from Marcus Aurelius. And it's just like, mm-hmm. this life is so short and what are we mm-hmm. prioritizing? And really some of the stuff just takes away from the things that are most important. And when you get to your death, I mean, it's number one, we're not guaranteed tomorrow, but also when we are near the end, we're not going to be like, oh, I'm so glad I had all this, this house full of stuff, but I was not close with my family or I wasn't pursuing these other goals that I had. I don't know. I just, you gotta be honest with yourself. It just comes back to that. Yeah. No, <laughs> I love that. Like a broken record. Now tell me, when are you going to write a book? Do you have a publisher yet? Um, so I did write a book, um, okay. and it was out in 2021. I'm contemplating. Well, I'm sorry, writing- I didn't know. No, no, it's okay. I'm really, it's called Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity. And I, you probably didn't know because I, as I said, this is all really shocking to me that this has taken off. And I still feel kind of like a deer in headlights some days. (laughs) Like, I don't know how to manage all of this. Uh, So I wasn't great at promoting it because I just felt like really embarrassed. But it actually, to toot my own horn on your podcast, I think it's very well written for my first book. I am an English major. Uh, I graduated from Ohio Yay. State with a degree in English, so I feel like the it was the Ohio out. State, the Ohio the State University. Ohio State yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm contemplating writing something new with similar themes that we've been talking about. So stay tuned. I just have to get some ideas brainstorm. <laughs> That's where um, your editor comes in, though, right? And helps you set the goals. These are the chapters or these are the this is kind of the layout. Because one thing about a minimalist life and also you're talking about it's our thinking and our thoughts. When someone gives me because I'm a journalist, so I was always given a deadline. You know, this is what I need by this time. So once I get that target, then I push all the other things away and it yeah. helps declutter even my brain. If I have if I have an assignment, if I have a deadline, nothing else, I can't do anything else. I don't put it off. I'm not a procrastinator because um, I'm focused on that, but it does help kind of clear the clutter in my brain. So that's maybe all you need. You just need an editor to call you and go, girl, I need, I need a manuscript done by April 15th. <laughs> I need 30,000 words. And then you'll go, you'll kick into high gear. Yeah, no, that's very true. Accountability is huge, but I yeah. <clears throat> I think it's finding the right person to work with and having something unique to say because, I mean, it is, I don't want to say it's an oversaturated market of thought with minimalism, but as I said, as I said, minimalism is very trendy and I don't want to put something out there that I'm not proud of that I uh, feel like is redundant. So that's I completely a, that, understand. Yeah, I completely understand that. Yeah, I completely understand that. Okay, speaking of books, then that's one thing I pared down a lot of books, and that's one regret some people have. I throw Mm -hmm. away the jacket cover for one thing if I do have a book, and then I often get rid of them because once I read them, I don't need them here. Am I wrong to think that way? 
Um, I mean, some people like to have a home library. I uh, have been pulling some books from my parents' house that I read as a child for my daughter to read, and I really like that we have those around. But That's I typically don't keep fiction books. Uh, I'll keep nonfiction because I t- sometimes I will return to them. Um, but I don't mind yeah. having a library, and I, I, I think the useful information is nice to have a tangible copy of where it's not as – if the world went blank, we wouldn't have our phones, and we would have these books. So I'm uh-huh. not opposed to knowledge found in books and having libraries. But again, if it's something that's starting to overwhelm your eyes, overwhelm your spaces, or you just feel like you, you spent money on it, so, hey, I spent 20 bucks on this book. I don't want to get rid of it. Give it to a friend. Um, sell it on Facebook Marketplace for five bucks or something like that go get yourself a coffee um yeah be creative with how you can gift it to someone but yeah just to keep it to keep it seems silly to me well this from the woman who all of my books are on right here it's in my hand i have audible (laughs) or i go to the local library our local library has so many books you can borrow um, yeah big fan of their service so yeah i read it and i they, 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 they take it back. You don't even have to take it back to the library when you get it through their digital service. They, it's returned, and then I don't have it hanging over my head. So, Okay, so let's wrap things up. Uh, your podcast is Minimalist Mom, right? Yep, the Minimalist Moms podcast. And then I will put that in the show notes along with um, your social media handle and your book you wrote. And the fact that you're kind of an early adopter. In 2016, there were... There weren't the trillions of podcasts we have now, but it was starting to ramp up. I'm at, that's when I started intermittent fasting. And so that's how I got all my education in 2017, uh-huh. actually, of intermittent fasting. With Those were my first podcasts. So, and, yeah. and in fact, intermittent fasting has a similar approach about food intake. It's a minimalist food intake approach in that if I don't need it, I'm not going to eat it. Yeah, yeah. No, I did that for a while after I had my third baby and it was very helpful. <laughs> and again, it's some it's something that it, you're right. It's we have such an abundance of food these days that when we are actually clear with what our bodies need, it's very sad how much overwhelm and how much we don't need. Yes, we are a country measured by excess. 100%. Great job today. Good luck to you. And for those of you listening and not watching this, she's in her car. <laughs> I am. Because <laughs> that's where she has to record this to be away from three kids saying, Mommy, Mommy, Mommy. Thank you so much. Of course, we're uh, at the beginning of a big holiday season. So happy holidays, Merry Christmas, all the things. And uh, you keep on keeping on. You keep preaching the good words you do. You're doing a great job. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com. It's Lisa Fisher time.